1 Kings chapter 20. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army together, and there were 32 kings with him, with horses and chariots. He went up and besieged Samaria and fought against it. He sent messages to Ahab, king of Israel, into the city and said to him, Ben-Hadad says, your silver and your gold are mine, your wives also, and your children, even the best, are mine. The king of Israel answered, It is according to your saying, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. The messengers came again and said, Ben-Hadad says, I sent indeed to you, saying, You shall deliver me your silver and your gold, and your wives and your children. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they will search your house and the houses of your servants. Whatever is pleasant in your eyes, they will put it in their hand and take it away. Then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Please notice how this man seeks mischief. For he sent to me for my wives and for my children and for my silver and for my gold, and I didn't deny him. All the elders and all the people said to him, Don't listen and don't consent. Therefore he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, Tell my lord the king all that you sent for to your servant at the first I will do, but this thing I cannot do. The messengers departed and brought him back the message. Ben-Hadad said to him and said, The gods do so to me, and more also, if the dust of Samaria will be enough for handfuls for all the people who follow me. The king of Israel answered, Tell him, Don't let him who puts on his armour brag like him who takes it off. When Ben-Hadad heard this message, as he was drinking, he and the kings in the pavilions, he said to his servants, Prepare to attack. So they prepared to attack the city. Behold, a prophet came near to Ahab king of Israel and said, Yahweh says, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am Yahweh. Ahab said, By whom? He said, Yahweh says, By the young men of the princes of the provinces. Then he said, Who shall begin the battle? He said, You. Then he mustered the young men of the princes of the provinces, and they were 232. After them he mustered all the people, even all the children of Israel, being 7,000. They went out at noon. But Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilions, he and the kings, the 32 kings who helped him. The young men of the princes of the provinces went out first. And Ben-Hadad set out, and they told him, saying, Men are coming out of Samaria. He said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive. Or if they have come out for war, take them alive. So these went out of the city, the young men of the princes of the provinces and the army which followed them. They each killed his man. The Syrians fled and Israel pursued them. Ben-Hadad the king of Syria escaped on a horse with horsemen. The king of Israel went out and struck the horses and chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. The prophet came near to the king of Israel and said to him, Go, strengthen yourself, and mark. See what you do, for at the return of the year the king of Syria will come up against you. The servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their god is a god of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we. But let's fight them again in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. Do this thing. Take the kings away, every man out of his place, and put captains in their place. Muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot. We will fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they are. 
He listened to their voice and did so. At the return of the year, Ben had had mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. The children of Israel were mustered and given provisions and went against them. The children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of young goats, but the Syrians filled the country. A man of God came near and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Yahweh says, Because the Syrians have said, Yahweh is a god of the hills, but he is not a god of the valleys, therefore I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. They encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel killed 100,000 footmen of the Syrians in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city, and the wall fell on 27,000 men who were left. Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city, into an inner room. His servant said to him, See now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put sackcloth on our body and ropes on our head and go out to the king of Israel. Maybe he will save your life. So they put sackcloth on their bodies and ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. He said, is he still alive? He is my brother. Now the men observed diligently and hurried to take this phrase, and they said, Your brother, Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go bring him. Then Ben-Hadad came out to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father I will restore. You shall make streets for yourself in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. I, said Ahab, will let you go with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and let him go. A certain man of the sons of the prophets said to his fellow by Yahweh's word, Please strike me. The man refused to strike him. Then he said to him, Because you have not obeyed Yahweh's voice, behold, as soon as you have departed from me, a lion will kill you. As soon as he had departed from him, a lion found him and killed him. Then he found another man and said, Please strike me. The man struck him and wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, and disguised himself with his headband over his eyes. As the king passed by, he cried to the king, and he said, Your servant went out into the middle of the battle, and behold, a man came over and brought a man to me, and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, then your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. As your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be, you yourself have decided it. He hurried and took the headband away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized that he was one of the prophets. He said to him, Yahweh says, Because you have let go out of your hand the man who I had devoted to destruction, therefore your life will take the place of his life, and your people will take the place of his people. The king of Israel went to his house sullen and angry, and came to Samaria. It's a, it's a strange chapter, this one, because it's a chapter that's all about King Ahab. There's so many kings in the north of Israel, and they're all bad, but for some reason Ahab is like the king that gets picked out to have some you know, extra stories included in the Bible. And this chapter, you'd have to say, well, why is this chapter in the Bible? It's all about Ahab, and it's all about Syria, the king Ben-Hadad, 
And the Syrians, you know, they weren't even really a part of the Bible story. So it's, it's a strange, strange chapter. And um, it turns out that God isn't just the God of, of Israel and Judah. God is the God of all nations. And we've actually seen this in the Bible all along. Um, but this should have been obvious to, say, Jewish people. Um, who, you know, this should be obvious to Jewish people. Like year, thousands of years ago when they read the Bible, they should have realized that the Lord was the Lord of all nations, not just the Lord of their nation. Because in this chapter, the Lord is trying to teach the Syrians that he is not the God of the mountains or not the God of the valleys. He's trying to show them he's, the, he's in control of everything. But the Syrians don't pick it up. This is what happened with the Philistines when the Ark of the Covenant went into captivity and the Lord was trying to show them that he was more powerful than their God. This is what the Lord was doing with the Egyptians, with the plagues. So whenever the Lord is involved with some other nation, he's demonstrating to them that he's more powerful. The Lord is the Lord of all. Now we know that now because we're living in the New Testament period. We know Jesus died. The Bible says, ask of me and I'll give the nations. But Jewish people were very much just focused on he's our God and other people have their own gods. They, they kind of believed that there were lots of gods, but Yahweh was their God. But the Lord was trying to show not, not just the world, but the Israelites that there's only one God and he's the Lord of all. And he's trying to show that to the Syrians, but he's also trying to show it to Ahab here. So even in the north of Israel, when they turned away from God, um, the Lord is so patiently dealing with them in all this process. And so here the Lord gives them two great victories in the north of Israel um, just to demonstrate that he's God. Now of all the kings of Israel, I think Ahab, he, he's, he's the one we learn the most about, so maybe my observation is biased, but I think he's the one that's the closest to being a good king. Because <laughs> he, he, he allows Elijah to do his demonstration. He, you know, he, he puts up with Elijah. He, um, after Elijah kills the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, he doesn't attack Elijah. He just goes home. Like he, he's, I, I kind of feel like Ahab believes in God. And later on, I think it might be the next chapter or the one after, Ahab even repents towards the Lord. So th there's a place in Ahab's mind where he allows the Lord to be the Lord. But the problem with Ahab is he, there's other complicating things at work, including his wife, a very complicated lady who influenced him greatly. But I think Ahab's the closest to being, um, the closest to being the the north, the north's only good king. So what happened was that um, the Lord demonstrated his great power to Ahab with these two victories. He demonstrated his power to Syria by showing that he's not the god of the hills or the plains; he's the god of all. And then at the end of this, Ahab, who was the Lord wanted Ahab to destroy the, the Syrian king, Ben-Hadad, but he doesn't do it. What Ahab does is instead says he's his brother and spares his life. And the result of this is at the end of the chapter, the Lord sends a prophet along to tell Ahab, you know, you've done the wrong thing. The prophet comes in disguise. The prophet pretends to be someone who's, who's uh, was supposed to be guarding someone, but let them get away. And, um, and then Ahab pronounces this judgment upon him, you know, your life for his life. And it turns out that Ahab is pronouncing that judgment upon his own, on himself. And so the prophet then says to Ahab, thus says the Lord, then uh, your life will be for his life. And then Ahab gets cranky and goes home. Now, if Ahab was any other king, 
he would have killed that prophet on the spot right there. Or any other Israelite king anyway. You know, like Jeroboam or someone, he would have arrested him or thrown him into jail. So Ahab is Ahab's a bit kinder, or he's a bit unwilling to resort to violence compared to so many of the other kings. But he's a funny king. He gets cranky and he goes off and he sulks. <laughs> it happens quite a few times with Ahab. And um, so I find him one of the most interesting of all the biblical characters. And, um, you know, you look at a chapter like this and you say, well, what can we learn from this? And I think what we can learn from this is that the Lord is so obvious uh, when you stop to look at him. If the Syrians had actually stopped to say, who is this God really? If they'd actually stopped to ask the question and start to contemplate what was actually happening, they would have realized some very obvious things. Ahab the same. And in the world today, you just think about people, if they'd actually stopped to think, who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? What is the church? How is the church here? What would the world be like if there was no church? Like if people stopped and just actually looked at things and actually thought about them, it would become very quickly so obvious that we have got a God of all, a God of nations, someone who's involved. But the Syrians, the Israelites, and everyone pretty much does the exact same thing and they don't stop to think. And the New Testament in um, second... Corinthians, I think it's chapter 4, it says that, that there's a veil that's over the minds of people so that they cannot see the gospel. And so this is, this is what we find, is that when you've got friends and, and family and, and people that, that, you know, the Lord really should be obvious <laughs> to them, but they just can't see it, they're veiled. And you and I were veiled once too. What you've got to do is pray the veil away. And so this is something you do on your knees You've got to give birth to these people by faith so that they will be born again through your prayers and through your travail. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these chapters in the Bible, even the strange ones about King Ahab. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself in them to be the Lord of all. Lord, you're the God who is so patient with someone like Ahab, and Lord, you're so patient with us. And I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that your patience wouldn't run out. Forgive us our sins. Lord, I pray you'd open up our eyes, remove blindness from our eyes so that we might see you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen.